I would want to start off with this question. What if we lived for Mondays? <laughs> right? You know, all of you are probably thinking, I better go get some coffee. <laughs> what if, in whatever we were doing, uh, no matter what we were doing, we found so much purpose that we lived for Mondays, for the start of the day, but not the end of the day. Now, according to a Gallup study done in 2015, and just over 50% of Americans are, are dissatisfied in the work that they are doing. And they found that in that, uh, that disengagement that they were doing just enough to get by. Basically enough to not get fired at their job. 50% of American workforce. An additional 17% of the American workforce is actively disengaged in what they do every day. Meaning that their work there at their place of employment is actually a detriment to what is happening. Like it's, it's worse off because of what they're doing there. Almost 70% of the American workforce, like yikes, this is like shocking. It was shocking to me when I read this. They redid the study recently and released the results this last December. That number has increased to 85%. This is cause for concern. This is an epidemic and this is, this is a little bit worrisome. <clears throat> And whether you work in a thriving workplace culture or whether you work in a completely broken and dysfunctional workplace culture, chances are that you've seen this. You've seen this kind of people in you or in the people around you because there is brokenness, there is selfishness, there is fear, there is greed, there is pride in all of us, and it drives this broken way of living. And and consequently, it affects our workplaces. There can be tension amongst our coworkers. It can be with the leadership in our place of employment. It can be how women and men view each other and treat each other in the workplace. It can be the demands of the job every single day. Whatever it is, there's this, sometimes this brokenness where things aren't functioning really the way that they should. And it's easy to find yourself in the midst of this situation and feel like, well, what can I really do uh, to, uh, to counteract this? I'm just one person. I'm just uh, a secretary. I'm just another engineer. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a car mechanic. I'm just a custodian. What can I really do to change the culture of my workplace, to just change the culture in general? Well, it's my goal today to connect what we do here every single week with what you do every single day because God knows no boundaries between Sunday morning and the rest of our lives. And what I want you to see is that there is no boundary in your life and where God wants to do in carrying this message of hope to you and through you. One of my, my favorite uh, summer jobs when I was in college was getting to work at this uh, Christian sports camp down in Missouri called Canacut Camps. It was the time of our lives working there. And it, if you can imagine with me, we had 11-year-olds for 25 days straight. And we had some of the most amazing adventures. I mean, you name it, we did it. Like cave exploring, rock climbing, cliff jumping. I mean, it was like zip lining. You name it, we did it. It was so much fun. So college students, if you want the summer of a lifetime, get your applications uh, there. Uh, but one of, the, one of the leaders there, in the summer I was there, he, he wore the same shirt every single day. And I became a little suspicious of this. Like by the third or fourth day, I saw him in the same shirt. Apparently he had like 10 or 12 of the same shirts. And on the front of his shirt, it said this, 99 to 1. So one day I, I went up to him and I said, hey Matt, so what's up with the, the shirts here? Did you forget your clothes at home or something? And and uh, as we got talking, he said, I wanted it to be burned into people's minds so that it, it would never leave them, that they would remember that 99 out of 100 people will look to you to know who Jesus is and how he sees them. 
99 out of 100 people will look to you to know who Jesus is and how he sees them. One out of 100 will go straight to the Bible to find that out. Now, this, this floors me every time I hear it. It does two things in me. It, it pumps me up and it gets me excited about, yeah, that is what I'm living for. This is my purpose and what I'm supposed to be doing every day. And the other thing it does is it scares me because I am starkly aware that I am not perfect. I make mistakes. I mess up. And as hard as I try to be the best I can for the people around me and, and the relationships that I have, I drop the ball sometimes. And I mess up sometimes. And you know what, our list of wrongs is oftentimes our greatest disqualifier in thinking that we can have an impact for the person of Jesus Christ in the, in the, in the, in the lives around us. But let me tell you this, being a Christian is not about having it all together. We're not here saying that because we're Christians we are perfect, we make no mistakes, that we have it all together. Being a Christian is about saying that I am tired of trying to do it all on my own. I realize that I am not perfect, that I need one greater than me to do this surgical work on my heart to put the broken pieces back together in my life so that I can be reconciled to the one true God. And that, so then in that process, that daily process, of knowing him, then when that brokenness is put back together, what comes out of me may bring life rather than darkness and destruction. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I think when we live in that way, what people will see is what is at work within you. The second question that comes to mind is the, the skeptic in me is, well, why do I need to be a Christian to be kind and nice to people? You don't. You don't. You don't have to be a Christian to be kind and nice to people. But let me tell you this. Until you have been restored and reconciled by one greater than you who has given everything, laid down his life so that you could be made whole again, reconciled to him in, in a vibrant living relationship on a daily basis, you will never know what it means to set your life aside to bring life and restoration to the people around you. And oftentimes until that work has been done on our hearts, we can think that we're shedding, we are casting light on uh, the people around us when really we're just casting shadows. You can probably think of circumstances in your life where that's taken place. You see, what the world needs is not people to be just nice. You see, being just nice and kind isn't going to fix me. It's not going to fix you. It's not going to fix the world around us. While it is important, we don't need to just be kind and nice. What we have is a world and a culture that needs to be the brokenness put back together again by the one who knows us best, who has that divine power to far greater than ourselves to restore us to him so that in our, that process of being made whole again, we can go out and bless the brokenness in the world, holding forth that hope that we have been given to the people around us. Or as the Bible says, being ambassadors for Christ. And what we find time and time again is that the word of God is incredibly relevant to the way that we live our lives. So Paul, he was one of the people that, uh, that planted all of these early churches and when he couldn't be with all of these church bodies all at once, he would write them letters, encouraging them, setting their eyes on what's important, not getting distracted by all of the things going on around them, the day-to-day -day tasks at hand, but saying, hey, make sure you focus on this. This is what's important. And in the letter we're going to look at today, he writes to this body of believers in this town called Corinth, and who are asking the same questions that we're asking today. 
encouraging them. So if you would, please turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. Now I'm going to read uh, the whole passage here, actually 5, 18 through 20. But up on the, the screen here, you're just going to see the highlights of what I really want you to get out of this. But all of this is important. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, it says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, reconciliation is probably not a word that we use like every single day in our verbiage there. And so a really practical like definition of reconciliation would be bringing people together with God to be made whole. Bringing people together with God to be made whole. And so what Paul is saying to this, this gathering of believers just like us, is he's saying, hey, don't forget who you are. Don't forget what you've been entrusted with. God has placed this ministry of reconciliation in your hands. What are you going to do with it? And then he goes on in verse 20. And he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, I want to I read this verse again, but I want to put a few of my words in there uh, to kind of just help uh, unfold a little bit more of the meaning of the passage. So we could, we could read it like this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, helping others see themselves as Jesus sees them. As though God were making his appeal through us. The way you live speaks for who you live for. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Not some be good thing we have to do, but to know him and let him put together, back together the brokenness in us so that we may truly live. You see, Paul says, don't forget, this is the important stuff. Don't get pulled away by all of the things going on around you. This is what is so important. And Paul was no stranger to work. At different points in his life and ministry, he, he worked as a tent maker. And so he knew the impact of, uh, of working alongside his fellow man and fellow woman and the impact that could have in showing them who the person of Jesus Christ is. And so to be an ambassador, understanding that this is how Jesus sees all of us in this room as ambassadors for him, representatives of him. And if we are to accurately represent him, we must understand how he came so we can understand how we should go. You see, Jesus changed history. He transformed a culture through service and selfless love. Not domineering power, not forcing his way in the world, not using others to make his mark or advance. He didn't use people for his own pleasure or, or power in public or private, but he upheld the standard of integrity and service with the power of God behind him. You see, Jesus is God's words, his promise, becoming flesh and bone reality, like right in the midst of this. You see, God wanted this to be more than some flowery spiritual language and lip service that really had no traction in the, in the real everyday lives that we live. And, and so to make his point so definitively and poignantly, he sent his son Jesus to us to be flesh and bone reality to us in, in a very real and present way to serve the people around him. And he's saying, go in the same way. 
go in the same way that Jesus came. And so I have one application point for this. One, one way that we should apply this moving forward. And that is dedicating ourselves to a life of service to the people around us. What we do here is not some uh, deposit for some spiritual vending machine so that hopefully when we make enough deposits in the God machine that things will go our way, that maybe we'll be just good enough to earn our way to heaven. That's not what this is about. It's about knowing him, being filled up with the truth and the word of God in our lives so that it may propel us outward because of the love that we have been shown. That is what this is all about. So that this means something more than just an hour once a week but every single day. It is an intricate part of our lives, knowing him and making him known in our actions and even at times in our words. See, the the truth of the matter is there is so much in our lives that we cannot control. And the more you work with people, the longer that list of things you can't control is. But the one thing that you do get to choose is your attitude and your mindset. And an attitude of service begins to tear down the walls of selfishness and fear that drive the broken way of living that is around us. An attitude and a mindset of service to those around us begins to tear down the walls of selfishness and fear that drive the broken way of living around us. And in a very simple way, it brings hope to those people because it says, hey, I notice you and I value you. Now, some of you might be sitting there today thinking, yeah, that's great, Eric, but have you seen the place that I work in? Have you turned on the news lately? I mean, look around you, really? Like, this is going to solve our problems. You think that's enough? Yes, it is. This is what Jesus did to transform a culture in a world. You see, fear and selfishness is what has driven this broken way of living from 70% to 85% of our workforce feeling dissatisfied in what we're doing, not feeling purpose in what we are doing every single day. The selfishness and the fear that begins to spoil and ruin the atmosphere that we are in every single day. So what did Jesus do? He didn't combat that with more fear and selfishness, but he combated it with with self selfless love and service. And what began to happen was the world around him transformed. And if it is good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for me. And that is what we are called to do, to go in the same way. When we do this, and we value the people around us. It begins to expose their hearts in such a way. As they put down the walls and the barriers and the facade and the mask, they can set that aside that maybe their hearts will be exposed for the first time to the people around them. See, Jesus, in all of his power and authority of heaven and earth, he came in the form of a servant, washing feet, serving the broken, not breaking the hurting, meeting the outcast, not casting out the unwanted, transforming the unloved to be the most valued, and in the face of undeserved ridicule, responded with kindness. Imagine a workplace that looks like that. And folks, it starts with us. 
Now, I don't know how you guys work and how your operation is, but for me, I tend to overcomplicate things quite frequently. So, like, I you know, think, okay, I see a need here, and I, I want to do something about it. And then I start thinking through, I should do this or that or this. And then it gets so complicated in my head, I end up actually just doing nothing, right? And so <laughs> I had a friend, this was a, a few weeks ago, he, we were talking about this, and he said, Eric, see the need, meet the need. Just see the need, meet the need. That's it. We could sum up this entire teaching with that. See the need, meet the need. When you're in the parking lot, see the need, meet the need. When you're in the grocery store, see the need, meet the need. When you're at home, around the house, see the need, meet the need. When there's a poopy diaper, if you want to be a hero in your house, see that need and meet that need right there. When you're at work, keep your eyes open to the people around you and what maybe God is prompting you towards to see the need and meet the need. Not because of our own ambitions, but because of his selfless love that drives us every single day. Maybe your coworker's having a bad day and it's not your turn to clean the bathrooms. Maybe it's not even your job. You say, hey, let me take care of that for you. See the need, meet the need. Serve the people around us. And when we find that purpose every single day in what we are doing, it would drive us in a completely different way that not only will we not be a part of that 85%, but we can begin to push back on that and transform the work culture we live in and bring hope that God has called us to. Now, a few, a few other things that I think that can be valuable in this and maybe aren't quite as obvious. Uh, because what's going to happen this week, I, my hope is that that phrase follows you wherever you go. That you will just be hearing in the back of your head, see the need, meet the need. See the need, meet the need. And you know what? There might be, it might be messy. It might be uncomfortable. It might be painful. It might be whatever it is. But to see the need and meet the need. There are going to be, God is going to speak to you in all of those different ways and help you see uh, where you can do that. But I want to point out a few areas that maybe are not quite as obvious, but equally as important. Of how we can be a part of the picture that God is painting in the world that he wants us to be living in. So I have a few points here for you uh, of what this might look like. Don't let the differences separate you. Now, side note, I put the scriptures up here so you can see. I'm not going to go over those. But for like extra credit study there, if you want to be like reading this, you can. Um, God's word is living and active. We don't read his word and encounter his word. His word encounters us. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that when I sit down with his word, it goes in me and just begins to do its work on me. It encounters me. And so expose yourself to his word uh, each day. And these are good starting points. Okay, end of side note. So first, okay, don't let the differences separate you. One guarantee that I can make absolutely 100% certain is that you will disagree with the people around you. I guarantee it. You will disagree with them. But do not let the differences separate you. Help people understand how Jesus sees them by how you treat them. And seek to live at peace even in misunderstanding. The second way that we can see the need and and meet the needs around us. Don't waste your time arguing and complaining. This is what took the Israelites on a 39-year detour through the desert. It is fruitless and ineffective. Just don't do it. I tend to find that people fall uh, into one of two categories, scoffers and mockers or doers and changers. Which are you? Which are you at work? And which is God calling you to?
The third way that this can look, reconcile relationships in your life. You know, maybe as you're sitting here this morning, uh, you, uh, you feel that tension in your stomach, that, that, that nudging there. And unless you had uh, breakfast burritos and hot sauce for breakfast, uh, that is probably the Holy Spirit moving in you and just saying, hey, pay attention here. Listen. And there might be some things that, that God wants you to do moving forward, some relationships to reconcile. Maybe you realize that you've used some people around you as stepping stones. Maybe you've made them feel completely insignificant. Maybe you really gave them what they deserve instead of showing them grace. Reconcile those relationships. Let's be known as people of integrity. Let's treat them in the same way that Jesus treated us. In another way, uh, or this, this reminds me of this, is you know, a few years ago, uh, we were in a staff meeting. And I remember as we were gathering together for our meeting, there was, kind of, there was something going on. I don't remember what it was now, but there was sort of this, like, everyone in the room was just, there was this tension. And everyone was kind of upset about this thing that was going on and whatever it was. And the, uh, the, the, the principal started the meeting, and he started the meeting off, and he just said, Hey, I just want to apologize. This was an oversight on my part. I should have done better at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you should have seen what happened in the room. It was like everyone was just like, Whoa. all right, okay. And I mean, it was just like it, it diffused the room, and it didn't fix all the problems all at once, but it allowed us to move forward in the right direction. And so sometimes that's just what it takes is just saying, hey, I'm sorry. I dropped the ball on this. Let's, let's move forward together. Another way that we can reconcile these relationships around us would be promoting the value in the people around us. A while back, a long time ago, I had, a, so I'm a band director, that's, that's my daily occupation there. I had a, a student in for a lesson and uh, things were just not clicking, they were not working and we were a number of weeks in, into the year and we were just trying to figure out what was going on and I could tell the student was kind of getting discouraged and by God's grace, you know, I didn't get frustrated at the situation at hand, but I just began talking with the student and, and just asking about their classes and, and other things going on. And I asked the student about how they read and their reading. And because I began to see a correlation with students between their reading ability and how they read music on the, on the staff. And I remember when I asked him, like he stopped for a minute, and then he about started to tear up. And he told me he had this, this, uh, this disability called dyslexia. And I could see that he was just ashamed to even say it. That it was something that he just would try and hide and get by with, uh, without people noticing. And I told him, I said, I'm so glad you said that. Because now we have all of these tools to help you out, to, to help you succeed in this. So this is perfect. We now know what to do. And I said, don't you dare for a minute be ashamed of that. Because that is not a disability. It is a specific ability that you have. You are uniquely wired to receive information in a way that very few other people do. Because I guarantee you when you hear things, it's committed to memory much faster. When you do things with your hands, you commit it to memory much faster. That you are probably very skilled with what you do. 
with your hands. And I began to help him see how this was not some deficit that he had, but it was a strength that he had. And to see how he could move forward using that strength. What if our workplaces look like this, where beyond the inconveniences that it caused us, we began to see past those to the strengths within and began to promote those and promote the value in each person around us. Let's imagine a workplace that looks like that, reconciling those relationships, seeing that need and meeting that need in our workplaces. That will transform a culture. Why? Because when, when there was nothing worthwhile in us, the one true God saw, that, saw value in us and promoted that value and said, I'm going to give everything I have to be reconciled to you. And that selfless, serving love, beyond the inconvenience it caused him, is what drives us to the people around us, proving the value to the people around us. And finally, being ready to give an answer for the faith that you have. Every one of you has a story. And that story is important. I think one of the coolest things available here at Orchard Hill Church is the journey class. Some of you have probably heard about it. And what it does is it helps you walk through that story, understand your story, and how God is moving in that. It can use all of those pieces of your story to bless the people around you, to bring wholeness in your life as you walk closer with him. Know your story and be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. 99 out of 100 people will look to you to know who Jesus is and how he sees them. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You are the hands and the feet. You are the fingers and the toes of the church. Uniquely gifted and uniquely placed to reach people with this message of hope that nobody else can. But first we have to embark on this journey, this daily journey of being put back together again, being made whole and being reconciled to God. And when we are followers of Jesus in that way, we, it's important that we view ourselves as reconcilers, as his ambassadors. We don't need to be perfect to make an impact for Jesus, but only live in such a way that others may see clearly that Jesus is alive and real and that others might see themselves as they are for perhaps maybe the first time. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Let's live for Mondays. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. God, thank you for your love. God, that you want to know us. God, that you, that you fiercely love us. God, that we can approach you in prayer and, and in the word and know you personally and deeply and intimately, Lord. And I, I, God, we praise you for that. And Lord, I pray in the moments that follow here in worship, I pray that in your, through your Holy Spirit, God, you would minister to our hearts, that you would open our eyes to the world around us, to the workplace that you have placed us in, to see where, uh, how we can live for you. God, draw us close to you that we may know you more. And God, we thank you for your love and your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.